Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. So I think that if you dig deeper, there's stuff that we could go into that's not necessarily diagnosable, but definitely the fact that um, Damon was struggling and wanting to be a protector and be an example for his younger brother because his dad did die. And like, we could talk about that stuff, but diagnosis wise, the boss, he was crazy. Yeah. I, I looked straight past him. I was like, I don't care about black characters. Next. <laughs> I was saying, black movie, black character. What's the problem? I don't see no problem here. He's trying to get more money, more money. Exactly. <laughs> so in my mind, my sister, there was no way that we could diagnose those black characters because they were victims besides a structure that was dependent upon them failing. But they didn't fail at the end of the day. Exactly. Okay, so now if I was to break that down and pay attention to the black characters, uh, uh how about we pay attention to all the characters? <laughs> Let's be a rainbow coalition here. <laughs> I'm a, I'm about being uh, inclusive, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we can diagnose these white people because they be having full-on disorders and black people, you need to look at the systemic things that are um, in, in inhibiting them and their greatness. And once those things were removed, he was able to be great at them. I he ain't got no job now, but... Don't. Uh, but I, what I thought was going to end up happening was then there was going to be a shot of him becoming a police officer and like ending the, and with him at graduation. You know, mm-hmm. something cute like that. Like, yeah, dad, I did it for you. You know, I don't know. But that maybe that was too cheesy. But I do would like I would like to ask um, APA to include um, dis- disorders about for white people being racist. Um, and it's a full blown um, mental health. It is. Crisis. It's it a catastrophe. It's, it and needs to be addressed. Post-slave syndrome needs to be added in there as well. That's just my Okay, Dr. Umar. Okay, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and step (laughs) off my soapbox and go back to what I was saying. What's (laughs) what's her name? Um, Stacey Dash. Oh, my God. So she was actually adorable back then. Let's talk about Stacey Dash in this movie. In 1990, whenever this movie came out, let's, like, forget the fact that in the 2000s, this bitch lost her plum fool mind. Like, this is pretty clueless. Like, we still fuck with her. That's Dame Dash cousin. Like, oh, she's so cute. Like, let's she, focus she on her She is cute. She's adorable in that movie. Her fit was always on point. I just wanted to, ha- you know, outline that. You know, for her outfits in the 90s, she was flies. Um, however, I, that, that situation as far as um, gender... Um, gender roles, um, it, yeah, and like the fact that um, that she, in order for her to have been successful, first of all, it had to have come. He gave her the job, right? And then it's like, oh, do you want her? You can't afford her. So that bothered me in the sense that, as a woman um, with a high, coming from a higher caliber, that um, Damon Wayans wasn't good enough for her. He couldn't afford her. And so I think that kind of adds to this whole idea that Black women don't date 
outside of their, um, I guess their social class, which uh, I don't think is true. I think there was a lot of stuff that bothered me as far as how they portrayed her character. Um, mm-hmm. And granted, it's, it was the 90s. And so there weren't women in the in the writers' rooms. And this is, a let's be honest, it's a Wayne's family movie. Ain't no other writers besides Wayne's brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, I think that she did do, um, but I think that they made it, Damon made a point in her standing up and saying, that's not what I want. Like right. she thought that he was trying to get her these gifts and stuff like that. She was like, no, like, that's not what I want. That's not what I'm with you for. So I think she did make, um, he did give her a voice and saying like, no, I'm more than that. Like he mm-hmm. basically was doing the same thing that the corny boyfriend was doing and trying to buy her. Right. And, right. Which is problematic. So I'm glad that he allowed her to be like, no, that's not what I want. Cut it out. Um, but at the same point, I think that I would have liked to get more from her character because she was dating a corny dude. She's supposed to be like, like when we first get introduced to her, she looked like she was doing it. She looked like she was moving and shaking at the job. Mm. They're kind of find out her boyfriend is her boss. So then that, I didn't like the way that looked. And then like afterwards she was like, oh, they changed my passcodes. I don't have access to anything. So it just made it look like, okay, well, what do you do at the company, girl? Because you really don't have no pool. That's the that's the thing, but then she was um, it just I don't know. It just seemed like each time she her her box needed a boyfriend. It needed a male character for her to even be in a scene. Like there was nothing that was specifically like just about her and the development of her character in the movie. It kind of was just like her character in relation to the men in this film. Right. I, I agree. It it seemed as if her um her role needed to have a male associated with her. Like they there was no option for them to be like, oh, they can just stay friends. Like it was like, oh yeah, y'all need to end up this they need to end up in a relationship. He needs to get the girl. So that story that kind of follows like the typical storyline. He the the corny guy gets the girl, or I mean not the corny guy, the the good guy gets the girl. Right. And so um, I did want to talk about the other uh, female role. Um, what is with the Wayans and making women so thirsty? And she always well, why they always make the browns like she's tall. She's a brown skinned woman. Why right. she the thirsty one? And then talking about Stacey Dash too. Stacey Dash ain't have no friends. She ain't have nobody that she could call. Like she had no homegirls. She had to call Charlotte. Who she don't yeah. even talk to at work. That's her only friend. Yeah. And I think that was the, that was the fun. That was the shade, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to force him into this. So now we got substance use in here. He gets drunk. You know, the more drinks you have, the better looking she looks. I felt like he dogged the fuck out of her when he kicked her out of the house with two dollars. In her drawers, though. <laughs> They put her out in public, outside his door, in the whole hallway, in her drawers. Girl, and so on site, we would have been fighting. And so when she when she saw him in the hospital, I don't blame her for fucking him up. I hope she did. <laughs> I hope she did, because that was fucked up. Two dollars? What she supposed to do with two dollars in the 90s? Oh, take the thing. That's what he said. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said no. So that to me, like that was ultimate shade. He was an asshole for that. Um, I don't know if there's a billable <laughs> diagnosis. <laughs> Diagnosis of being an asshole. Right. <laughs> Again, a broke asshole. <laughs> we need to add that in there because we can't be billing assholes for, you know, <laughs> what is it? Um, <laughs> narcissism. <laughs> Every asshole is not a narcissist, okay? So <laughs> we need something else. I just felt bad because to me, Charlotte wasn't even that ugly. They just had her like exaggerated and her eyes big and mouth open. <laughs> right? Like, why you sleep with your mouth open like that? Like, come on. He woke so, up. She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. But also, furthermore, like, why they make her so thirsty. So it, to me, it's like, uh, there's always like this black woman that's thirsty. It makes me think about um, All American season two. Um, there's the mother of the main character, um, the football player. She has she runs into an old classmate at the reunion. Where she at the reunion, the, uh, yes. Yeah. That's the the uh, sister, the the uh, Tootie and them sister. Yes, yes. And she was so thirsty. Like, she was like, we should do a male auction. What about the kids? 500 for the kids. And I was like, yo, why do they make us look so thirsty? But when I think about it, right? So now I'm getting to another level with this, of course, is that um, the availability and the attractiveness of Black women. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of us are, are single um, and are available. And I guess as to some extent, maybe our level of education, because Black women are more highly um, educated more than ever. Um, and let's see, um, you know, the, the working class women, Black women may also struggle because some men who are not making the same money may feel intimidated, feel like they're not the provider. Um, but then also, I mean, we got to compete with the fact that in a survey that was done as far as attractiveness, Black and African-American women scored the lowest. Asian, um, Hispanic scored the highest for a level of attraction for men across the board, no matter what race. And so that to me is alarming in that, are we this thirsty in actuality? Because we're actually not as appealing in, in general public, like to other men? Maybe. We got the pick me, pick me syndrome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I will give the Wayans, um, the whole family, uh, mm-hmm. their credit. Because to us, when we think of the Wayans brothers and the Wayans family, we think of, oh, this big legacy, the whole family. They did all of this stuff and included their family members. And we think of them as comedy legends. But low-key, they drive was trying to do it all. Like, in the 90s, if you look at their movies, if you look at Mo Money, you look at uh, Low Down, Dirty Shame, you mm-hmm. even, um, what they, the last Boy Scout, they weren't just trying to be comedic. They were trying to be action stars. They wanted to get the girl. They wanted to be the love interest. They wanted to be funny. Like, they wanted their movies to be well-rounded and have all aspects yeah. in it. And I think that our community kind of got that, but at large it didn't come across they wanted them just to be funny and so that's why i think their movies got rated a lot lower than they should have 
Oh, I like mean, they were, trying to, they were trying to build a whole entire legacy. I don't feel like they probably are even satisfied with the just being comedy legends. I think they wanted to be whole, well-rounded Hollywood legends and even be bigger than they are. Right. And you make a good point because uh, the people who are doing the critiques and the reviews of movies, of course, are white uh, men, you know? And so, I mean, they've changed how they review black movies. I, I'm trying to think. Um, Shaft was actually rated pretty high for uh, Rotten Tomatoes, surprisingly, because Rotten Tomatoes actually had a trend of rating black movies extremely low for some years Which, now. Which was Shaft? Uh, the new Shaft. The, the, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked because I watched the the original Richard Roundtree one the other night, and I was like, "Yo, this shit is so really." <laughs> I need to watch that. I watched the Samuel Jackson one, mm-hmm. and I wish I had done the, the old versus the new. And I think that's something that you would probably enjoy, kind of doing a comparison. Um, it's like the new coming up on the next diagnosing sitcoms and movies podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So, um, it's, it's, yeah, Shaft. So it's like, I I think that when they do remakes, uh, of, of classic movies like that, and now they do it within our current time, of course, he's like a technology geek for the FBI um, you know, he dresses like, he dresses like, a, I don't even know if metrosexual is a correct term, but he, he, dressed, he dressed like a, a geek squad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, well that is the pull for the new generation to, to find that, um, that relation, you know, we want to find the, the way movies are built for us is to find a character we can relate with. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that was their way of, of making him more relatable to the current generation while also making Samuel Jackson more relatable to the younger, I mean, the older generation and those who were more familiar with the Shaft series. And so it, it, was, it, it gelled pretty well. Um, and I was surprised at its rating um, with Rotten Tomato. Well, come back to more money. Come back to more money. More money. More money. More money. Went down the um, shaft. I wish that more money was something that was released today. I wish not more money. It's more money. More money. Please pronounce it. Give it the respect it deserves, ma'am. I'm sorry. My PhD sometimes (laughs) slips out randomly. Excuse me. Let me get get to Rosina out here. (laughs) Um, More money, right? Um, I do feel like it does um, deserve a higher rating. And I wonder if that would change if it were to be released again now. That's what I'm trying to say. I definitely think that there was, um, I don't think there was, even in the Black community, I feel like if you didn't come from a certain level of poverty, that movie you didn't understand. Because or watch it. some people would be like, well, why are they doing all of these hustles? Like, there's no immediate need. They don't, it's not like they're about to get kicked out. Why are they hustling these people? And it's like, um, did you see their apartment? They, you know, just out here trying to, you know, get by. It doesn't have to be in the other. We have to get something done right now or else the, the world is going to end. Like, no, this is their everyday. This is how they're surviving. And I, um, I really appreciate it. And I felt like it was slept on. 
the fact because it kind of seemed like he was just trying to pick up Stacey Dash when they first met and they were outside of her building. They were selling a book. And Marlon was like, I don't want to do this. These people, they don't care about this. I need to get paid. And Damon was kind of on his like, no, I need a real job. I want that. He was kind of like the stuff that the police officer was saying kind of got to him. And he was like, no, I want to do something different. Like, and so he, I think that also was part of, yeah, he was trying to get Stacey that was going, but he also was trying to ruin Marlon's hustle because he didn't want him doing that. And so after he got her to win all of Marlon's money, he was like, now go sell them books. Mm-hmm. So I feel like not only was he yeah trying being being creepy and trying to get the girl, but he also was being a good big brother in that moment and saying like this hustling stuff like it's always another comment out there like look I I just got you now go sell these books like I told you to do in the first place mm-hmm. go get some money we gonna do this the right way I got I went in there and I got a job I got something better than her number I got a job true true you know what was funny is like even when. <laughs> Even after him figuring out the hustle, I remember the scene where uh, Damon and Marlon are sitting at their kitchen table and he's like cracking open a can of Spam. He didn't even fry it. He was about to eat that Spam raw. I was like, yo, he's not about to do this. No, he just let it slap out onto the plate. And it was congealed juices. And so, and then, you know, he gets up. I think Marlon must have said something to him. I can't remember what it was um, that pissed him off. He gets up and then Marlon's sitting there and he slaps the, the, the spam away. And it's like, why are we eating like this? Like, you know, we got this money. Why are we like this? Um, and like you said, I think um, Damon was just trying to get that come up and he wasn't trying to make this his continuing lifestyle. Um, because then you, I think he saw it when you see the outcome and you see the end game for someone before you in that same situation, I would draw out the game at some point too. And that's what he said to him. He was like, I'm out. Like, I know when to, I know when to, to call it quits and this is it for me. And so, uh, I think, I think he had a better understanding of the game at that time and Marlon didn't, but. That spam scene had me dying. I was like, really? And it and it and it cut in half. One half went into the sink, the other half was still on the counter, just laying there. I was like, wow. But it was symbolic. It was symbolic of poverty. I mean, when you think about uh foods, um, I was listening to a two chain song. What song was that? Shoot. And he said, No more canned foods, no more paper plates. And so it makes me think, like, you know, in the hood like canned foods is, is, was more common, you know, WIC, government assistance, usually can. Like, all oppressive systems by the man. By the man. Us in a certain place and unhealthy and continuing to suffer from different various diseases mm-hmm. and just trying to kill us. We're living in food deserts. That's why we're eating out of cans because there is limited resources for us to get exactly. fresh food. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly it. I mean, I never saw peanut butter in a can only when I opened like a can from Wick. You know, you gotta <laughs> stir it and get some peanut butter. And I've never seen that. You miss juicy before. juice. Like juicy, I've, juice, juicy juice is the only juice I've drank out of a out of like a two a gallon can. Yeah. Bang, and I can't even Should find it. Have you seen juicy juice in the grocery store? No. 
probably too much high fructose corn syrup. It was probably something in there. Mm-hmm. I have been digesting that gave it that magical flavor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think about Vienna sausage. Yeah, yeah Vienna sausage with hot sauce. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's shout outs to Spam. You know, I'm even surprised they're still on the show. Y'all did your thing. Okay, but I am actually turning to my actual um diagnostic statistical manual two of mental disorders mm-hmm. to clearly describe the criteria and explain why I think the boss, um, I can't remember his name, but the boss definitely had um antisocial personality disorder. Right. So, I do not know his uh, his childhood history to know if he had had conduct disorder before, but we're just going to go with what was in the movie. Okay. Because he was extra grown in the movie. Failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors as indicated by repeatedly performing acts that are grounds for arrest. He was running a whole credit card fraud ring. When Damon went to the place and he saw the warehouse and saw all the boats and cars, I was like, oh, he out here doing big stuff. This was just the little stuff that he had Damon doing. Uh, deceitfulness is indicated by repeated lying, use of alliances, or conning others for personal profit or pleasure. Impulsivity or failure to plan ahead. Irritability and aggressiveness is indicated by repeated physical fights or assaults. We started the movie with him breaking someone's neck. Yes. <laughs> Consistent irresponsibility as indicated by repeat, repeated failure to sustain consistent work behavior or honor financial obligations. That was the only one where I was like, because hmm. he was doing pretty well. He had moved up in the company. But no. And then, I mean, we, we're looking at it on one side. So we see the success of him being able to buy these items. We don't know how he himself personally manages and handles his own money. Right. That might be why he needs the whole ring, because he could be consistently blowing the money that he's receiving. Right. Um, and then lastly, his lack of remorse as indicated by being indifferent or to or rationalizing having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another. Mm-hmm. And he clearly did not care about killing any of them. No, and it also turns out um, those cards were belonging to people who were deceased. And that's what the detective is like. So how can someone buy something and they're dead? <laughs> he wasn't on it in the 90s. That He was just like, whoa. <laughs> I think that was funny for me, too. <laughs> and then this big-ass computer. Did you peep that? The big computer that the corny boyfriend was showing the detective to let them know, like, if a purchase is being made. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then when he was like, oh, no, I can't relate. I don't have a point, for, point of reference. I was born during the computer age. I was like, yeah, and the computers are big as you are. Okay, I was like, uh, what what technology are you so much better at? Like an oh, electric, right? Like an electrical teapot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if that was even around back then. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious! So watching <laughs> that now, I'm like, ugh, I couldn't live in these ages. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um. So. Out of the film, well, I had a problem with, not had a problem with, I was just confused. So he had, he was on probation. 
Probation usually means no police contact. So then you get picked up and you get an actual court appearance in front of a judge. The judge says dismiss, but he still doesn't do any crime. That was not real. So do you think, because he did say um, when the police dude was walking him out, he was like, I appreciate it. Do you think he might have pulled some strings so that he didn't go back in? I think so, because he was a friend, uh, like, you know, son of a cop, you know, and I think the, the cop wanted to. Your father was my partner. He saved my life. Right. So it was like, oh, I must protect you and keep you from out of harm's way, even though you're an asshole. So, um, yeah, I feel like that could be it. And let's just talk about that. Uh, the antics that wannabe attorney had. Reverend <laughs> whoever. Okay, I was like, he's sitting there like, yeah, yeah, that was that's some word. Like he ain't said nothing. I knew he was going to jail. I need to fumigate my client. <laughs> so you need to do what? <laughs> okay, all right. So we knew his lawyer didn't get him out of that. Clearly. So somebody did. And I figured, yes, it was him, especially because they came together as they were walking out um, at the end. I also thought about that at the end, like, okay, so what does this mean for him legally, um, having been involved? I mean, he was not innocent at all. I mean, but he did turn into a victim. So... And so I think because the boss was no longer alive to tell the story, Damon very easily could explain it as I did this one time, realized it was illegal, and helped guys after him. You're welcome. True. But then he would be asking his girlfriend to lie on the stand. But I mean, she was doing everything else. And clearly she ain't got no friends, personal life, or family. So she would be down to do it because <laughs> she had no depths as a woman in that film. Um, <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> so, okay, what did you think about them uh, being gay in the jewelry store? Okay, of course, it was stereotypical of like their behavior and the flamboyant behavior that they displayed. Um, they're just ignorant. <laughs> I just don't know. I think it's ignorant in such a smart way. I think that they are super smart in the way that they do it, but it is like just dumb. That's it. It's just dumb. And like, I remember... It's done smartly. Like, I remember, I don't know if you ever done that, take the bottom of your shirt and put it through the, the collar of your shirt. Oh, hoodie. I don't know if that can be done right now, but... I, I don't know. I'm not going to do that because things might fall out, but... <laughs> <laughs> so I used to do that when I was younger. I didn't even realize where I got it from. I thought it was Shanene, but it wasn't. It was them. It had to have been them because they were the only people doing that. Um, but it does make me think about um like why is it why is there a need for black men to act feminine, flamboyant, and do cosplay as women as a part of their comedy to be funny? Delve deeper. Elaborate, please. Like, so, of course, you know, Martin and Big Mama's house. Um, 
And also, we're addressing like the historical uh, reference of comedians needing to be feminine or put on a dress in order to a be funny and b further their career comedic in Hollywood. That is that to me kind of stood out when I saw that scene. Um, it was just like, man, why is it that they have to go that way to to get that type of laughter or or you know to to get a joke across? Because uh, then it immediately took me to um, even white chicks, you know. Um, and I mean, there are probably other movies and shows that kind of had that same persona or moment where black men are like. Mm-mm. <laughs> and but nobody does it better than Damon. <laughs> you can talk about everybody else and them putting on a dress. I would like to uh, reference though. Damon has never put on a dress. Damon has never put on a dress. Um, he no. addresses the fact that he don't do that shit. But no one does plays that role better than him. One, two. I felt like he did it in a very different time where they're even in comedy, they weren't referencing gay men. Homosexuality was just something that wasn't referenced in Hollywood at all. And they're from New York City. So they're used to being around a diverse set of people. They're used to being around gay people. They're used to being seeing trans uh, people in their community around moving about, minding their business, living their everyday life. And so mm-hmm. if his comedy has always been very um, observational, I'm going to see something, I'm going to pick that person, I'm going to pick that trait and I'm going to exaggerate it and, and stick the character and I'm going to, like, even him being anti in the beginning of the film, selling the TV, like, mm-hmm. he picks a very specific something, something that makes society at larger uncomfortable and plays it up, exaggerates it. So, you don't, America does not like to look at poverty, homelessness, mm-hmm. drug addiction, boom, I'm going to push anti and I'm going to shove it all the way in your face. Society did not like to see homosexual men. So, boom, I'm going to play it up. I'm going to throw it in your face. And I'm going to create taglines, two snaps of twist, and a Z formation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put it all the way in your face. So, that's what I said. by I always feel like, yes, it's ignorant as fuck. But it's done smartly. And to where it still can be funny. I know that it may, yes, it may offend different people if you have never seen someone that but if you've seen people who present like that, if he's been around, especially the time when he was coming up, ballroom culture, like that was a whole big thing. You got to think about his, his age bracket, where he is, where he's from, what he's seeing, what neighborhoods they grew up in, the projects in Manhattan. So you know that that's, that was what was around. So if you've never seen that, I can see how that one representation can be difficult for you to digest if you mm-hmm. yourself might be uh, a gay man and saying like well everyone is going to think that we present this way mm-hmm. and I can see how that can be problematic yes but that's because people are simple-minded and they can't separate and see that there's a spectrum of personalities there but if you have seen people who present that way you're like I know that person that's hilarious yep that's just what they do and then it it, it can be funny and right. then I think um Marlon with uh the 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 fluidity there and being like sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't you better address the fact that <laughs> not only can you be gay but you can also be bisexual okay so <laughs> right he did hit that with a quickness sometimes I feel like a nut sometimes I don't <laughs> <laughs> with a hip thrust 
<laughs> yeah. So I felt I, I that's and that's one thing that I appreciate so much about um the Wayans family is that it is it is ignorant as hell, but it's always done smartly. It's always done almost a satire um and it's done from a smart place. It's not just dumb nigga shit. It's like let me roll this out for you. Here is why it's funny. Right. Okay. And I feel like people who might not understand it might take offense. That's why I always say like sometimes you got to come from a certain level of um social economic status before you get the joke. And if you're not from that then you just don't get it. I'm sorry. It's true. Sex to be you, but this was funny. <laughs> chee, chee, chee. <laughs> and them sneezing and spitting all over that white man is just hilarious to me. <laughs> that part, I was like, they're so ignorant. Why? They're ridiculous. Other, I mean, yeah, other than that, that's the only thing that I really like saw <laughs> or realized about that was like, okay, yeah, they're playing on that. A lot, and it was it was funny. I'm not gonna sit here in front, but I know that it would it would be controversial controversial if that were to like be redone. You know, the Wayans brothers being the Wayans brothers and who they are, though. Do you think that they would care? No, they wouldn't. And that's what I appreciate about them. No, and but but you know, like you said, they're smart. So I do feel like if they would bring that same energy. But with the social keep that climate, same energy, son. Keep that same energy. So I think it would be like more, more aligned with what we're facing. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, in our in our current society, for where everybody wants to be politically correct, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's like the new joke or the tagline for a lot of comedians now. I mean, think about Dave Chappelle. You know, like he always jokes about the political correctness, especially with the LGBT community. (laughs) That man is hated by the LGBTs. And according to him, mostly the T's. Yes, mostly the T's. And it's not his fault because he can't stop making jokes about them. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, we do have to talk about Dave Chappelle at some point. An analysis of this man is needed. Please, 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 please. Not of him, but his work. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I mean, that's a whole nother, a whole nother episode. But anyway. <laughs> so the last thing that I had on my list of just definitely wanted to talk about was the corny boyfriend. Because mm-hmm. his jokes in that restaurant made me feel... <sighs> I said, it made me, and it, it took me down a rabbit hole, I'm not going to lie, um, to where I started thinking about all sell out black people. I feel like this is just my theory. I, it's baseless and it's just what I'm thinking today. It might change tomorrow. All sell out black people suffer from dissociative disorder. And I will tell you why. They cannot handle or don't have the mental capacity to walk through life with the imposed trauma and the difficulties and maintaining the delicate balance of being black in America. So they choose to dissociate because it's easier. Mm. Did you just drop a mic? Wow. That's how I feel about it. That's deep. You know, I always had this, I had a, a similar theory, but it wasn't for sellouts. It was for Black people in general, Black Americans 
and that we are experiencing an identity crisis. And I say that because, you know, Africans are like, yeah, I'm from Africa and these are my roots. Then, you know, you have Black Europeans, you have Black Asians, you got, you know, um, Black Hispanics, Latino, Latinas. But then when you get to Black Americans, I know we have an understanding of our history, but not everyone is privileged to get the correct history and they're Black, right? And it's like, it almost feels hollow in our identity as as being Black Americans. And that when you think about our roots, it, it does go into slavery and that comes from Africa, but we're not, that's, we're so far removed, especially as this generation is coming, they're so far removed from that, that maybe we don't have an understanding of our own identity as Black people. And I think white Americans also struggle with the same thing, which is why they take on other people's cultures so much. I think that we have the luxury that there was this quote, and I think I got, I don't want to say who I got it from because I don't like him no more. And you know who I'm talking about, who happened to be a professor at one point in time. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the quote has said that um, you, everyone isn't born. And like uh, something about basically the point is being like, you're not born in Africa. Africa is born inside of you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's in there. It's so innate inside of us. There are so many things that we do, that we feel, that we experience that is Africa, but we have one America colored glasses that blocks us from being able to see that within us mm-hmm. um, to the point where we don't understand why we, why we struggle with certain things. Um, we, we don't understand why we can't have collective unity because that is who we are because we have one of these American, Americanized, you know, rose colored glasses that keep us from being able to really recognize the fact that, oh, we come from a collective community. We're collectivistic culture. This is how we should be doing it. But we're holding ourselves to this American society standard. Mm-hmm. And even there are so many people that um, Black Americans that visit different countries in Africa and be like, yo, I'm an American because this stuff feels uncomfortable. I'm from Detroit. Because <laughs> <laughs> like you were saying, it might and it might feel removed, but there's still so much inside of them that they connect with. It is, it is very difficult because you you are both, just like how how you have mentioned um, Afro-Latino. Like, they have such pride and culture over being, I guess, Hispanic, but even that is just nationality. That's not the race, because there were three racial, um, racial groups that made up that community, which was the African slaves that were brought, the Native people who were already there, and the white Spaniards that gave them the language. Mm-hmm. So that pride of being Latin is the nationality, the region. We just don't have the luxury of feeling pride in America. Right. And I, and I think that causes us to kind of add to that disconnect. And some of us end up being on that long spectrum of like, you know, what's the term for it? <laughs> 
I just blanked on it. I had the spectrum set up and everything. But anyway, you got those who are like so pro-black and then you have people like the corny boyfriend that's just like, nah, I'm not about that. And, you know, that that to me, I feel like that happens more frequently than not. Like, it's almost difficult oh, to kind of be the center. Where you first, you be like, oh, white is right. And then you'd be like, oh no, super pro-black. And then you reach the point where yeah. you're like, okay, everything can exist together. Yes. I don't know what shit is called neither. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, I, I think finally with education, um, I'm, I'm able to say, okay, this, I'm, I can exist in the middle. I feel comfortable here in the middle. And then However, when I go into other, you know, communities or settings or even just kicking it with my friends, it's like, those you the whitest black person I know. I was like, God damn it. I love kombucha. <laughs> it's not even white. <laughs> <laughs> we do attribute mad Asian stuff to white people, though. <laughs> <laughs> you do yoga? That's white people stuff. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just like, you know, oh, you like nature? You white. What? what? Black people? We, we used to be farmers. What, what happened? Why we hate nature now? <laughs> no, I love vegetables and drinking water. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm not going to drink and consume a bunch of fucking sugar all day. Kool-Aid is not black. Kool-Aid is made by the white man. <laughs> it's just, we have, uh, we've fallen in love with the, uh, with the oppressor. It's it just because we had that shared experience. So it creates a shared experience that people want to cling to and claim something because we, we feel like we have nothing to claim. So we claim to that so heavy, even though we should probably run away from that shit because it's killing us. Um, Low money. So we, I feel like we should give a prognosis to two people. We only diagnose one. Um, we diagnose the boss with racism because we're creating that as a mental health disorder. And we also have... Because <laughs> he was a dick. He was like, I, I put the cards in front of you. I, I knew it was just a matter of time. We right. were still because you're black. Had he not met his untimely demise, which, yo, did you... I appreciated... I'm not a film person. Um, but the cine- the cinematographic cinematographic <laughs> that word um, the vision of seeing that white man hanging swinging back and forth amongst all of that white salt and the black man being triumphant. Oh right, right, yo. That shit was crazy. I was like, yeah, he hung. Like, and I was like, yo, like when just that scene right there, I was like, yo, we don't appreciate the Wayne's brothers. We don't. We don't, we don't appreciate. Them. And then he spit out a bunch of rocks. <laughs> 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 to add back that comic release. Bring back the comedic <laughs> comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Think, like, if you don't, if you don't bring comedy right in after that. You leave white people sitting too long in that moment, it gets uncomfortable for them. So he had to, there had to be comedic timing right after that for mm-hmm. it to be okay. 
it wouldn't have passed no uh, uh no executive boards or whoever it is that controls the movies that come out without that. Right. Just the vision of seeing that was pretty dope. But anywho, his prognosis, what would you say, Dr. Rosie? His prognosis. Um, if he did not hang, <laughs> death by hanging was not the, the end result. Or somebody came and cut him down right after. We don't know. We there wasn't a part. He he died. He he died, died. <laughs> Ain't no coming back from that. Strange fruit. Anyway, oh goodness, <laughs> <Drink> salt. <laughs> he was salty. He won't even fruit. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, so then, okay, I, I'm thinking like, okay, his prognosis would be to have a sentence of twenty twenty. No, actually, he would have twenty five to life because he did kill people, right? Um, he so he sentences of life, right? Um, and so, of course, we know that they're not doing a real good job rehabilitating inmates in our prison system now. Um, the likelihood of him getting any type of treatment is very slim. Um, there was something else I was going to say. And the likelihood of him serving all of those sentences that's um, it. as well and him being convicted mm-hmm. upon all charges by him being affluent and white. White become uh, problematic in the serving and the delivering of justice in that Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth, Courtney. That is it. That's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so while it would be the case for Marlon or Damon, I don't think that the, the sentence would have been fair or accurate or appropriate for his, for his behavior and the crime that he committed. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a good prognosis, but that's it. Um, I think that um, probably Damon saved future um, upper middle class white people from being murdered by the hands of this man. Um, Because uh, as we saw in the film, that's who he was consistently killing. Um, So he might have done the world a service and saved other people's lives by murdering him. (laughs) Uh, but had he not died by hanging, as you so eloquently placed it, um, <laughs> the prognosis would have been terrible for that man. He was already uh, had the, the taste of blood like a rabid dog, so he was just out here killing people, like we said, with the, um, consistent with the diagnosis, um, lack of remorse, uh, lack of um, care for authority, rules, laws, the disregard for all of them, and the the feeling that you are above the law and you can operate as you see fit. Um, and the the satisfaction that's received from those actions, I don't think that he would have been able to, um, even after serving serious jail time, um, I think he probably would, if he was in prison, he probably would get killed because he would still be trying to con people inside of prison. And that don't work out too well in prison. Um, people don't like being conned in prison. Those people usually get shanked. Unless he's the started some ring where he was working for the guards and was protected, which I potentially see him doing as well. Mm-hmm. And then if he was to ever be released, he would probably go back for continuing to con people again. Um, while he was successful for a run, he kind of got took down in some stupid ways. Why go break the man's neck? He already got into a car accident. But neither here nor there. Um, 
I feel like the prognosis we could also say for um, Marlon and Damon as well. So like it, it, it did have a more positive outlook for Damon because he did really, he now was in a um, healthy, successful relationship. Um, it was more healthy now. It started off kind of stalkerish, him just showing up at her place, knocking on her door and not saying who he was and entering and then sneaking kisses. So, oh, okay. um, um, <laughs> but he did, um, once he was in a successful, healthy relationship at that point, he did want to continue to have a job. He did say he would go to jail if he did not have a job. So he had motivation to continue working. Mm-hmm. Uh, he at least had, could put some people down as a reference now. Um, yeah to get another job uh but marlon i'm concerned about marlon because marlon had just that hustler spirit but in a negative way mm-hmm. him saying stuff like a job ain't nothing but work and yes. not wanting to the, to sell the books as a honest way to make a book but uh, let me do the three molly people out of their money um I, I was just i'm i'm concerned about I am too. Um, and he said that several times within the movie. And I like, you know, um, to me, I thought it was like some sense of foreshadowing that you wouldn't end up seeing him actually working a job or um, because it was said so frequently. Um, but it is concerning. And I wondered why was that a line that was stated so much from the youngest character? Is is it Was that something that they felt that all of us feel like? you know, work is just a job. I mean, it, there's true, there's, there's honesty in there, you know, that that's a true statement. Um, but do, if you do what, if you're doing what you love, is it still work? Is that still considered a job? So a lot of us are, are fighting to do what we love and not necessarily work for the man per se. Um, what, what, when you say that you're concerned for Marlon, um, I do feel like he'll continue that, that con uh, type of lifestyle. I think he will continue to, to, to rob people of their money. Um, but he would get smart with it. I felt like Marlon is like the Instagram, give me a hundred dollars and I turn it into a thousand scammer. (laughs) (laughs) If I were to put it in today's term. I also feel like just nobody valued Marlon. Like, the he hole had on a wire. It was like, help me. <laughs> and they didn't come in there. I felt like everybody was playing Marlon to the side a lot. And like, so that limited his self-worth. He didn't really have vision or direction on what he wanted out of life. He was really just cool with getting by. And I felt like he had limited value for himself. And so that is, I'm just concerned about my which I, I him. If he was your client, how would you help? Tell him to get a job. <laughs> he would respond by saying, a job? A job ain't nothing but work. <laughs> no, I would, um, I would work with him, help him realize his self-worth, um, realize that he has a lot more talent and skill. The, the talent and skill that he's using to um, to get his money can be used in a more positive way that he can actually turn it into a revenue and income for himself that wouldn't necessarily end him up in, in jail, you know, and realizing and, and laying out for him that if this continued behavior, you're not going to have a good outcome. There's not going to be a positive outcome. So what can we do to make sure that we don't end up on that 
with that outcome. We want a positive outcome. We want to be making money. That's what we want. We don't want to go to jail, but we want to make money. So how can we do that? And I think Marlon just needed someone to sit with him and help him see that that's even a possibility. Because I'm, I'm thinking that Mar- Marlon is very one-track minded and that this has worked. It has been proven to work. So why not continue to do it? Um, and even with the, out, like the, the possible outcome of, of prison, that wasn't scary enough for him. Um, and so maybe actually letting him dig himself a hole and help him get out. <laughs> I told you not to do that. Now, what are we going to do? <laughs> and so we haven't seen each other in three months because you just got out of jail. So what do we do now? <laughs> you not really only did Marlon want to make more money. I mean, make uh, money, but he wants to make more money. More money. More money. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I could because in low key, I had a crush on young Marlon as a, child up until <gasps> maybe really? the third season of the Williams Brothers. I thought he was cute. Um, but he did look good in a suit. I would see if he would be interested in, in salesmen and sell in being a rep in sales in some way, whether it be used cars or appliances, something because he sold mm-hmm. the hell out of that damn uh send two cinder block pretend television. If you could do that, bruh, you could sell anything. Facts. Facts. So, with that being said, uh, just thanks for joining us this week on Diagnosis. <laughs> As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh new content. All right. <laughs>